How good are your kids at trying new foods? What I find so exciting about all the flavors that I describe in the book is that it's an invitation to discover something new and something fun every single time. Today, MasterChef host Melissa Leong is going to show us a new way to take our kids on a taste adventure. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Fussy eating can be a real struggle for many parents. There was a time where my daughter only ate pesto on pasta. And let me tell you, it felt like a very long time. Kids aren't always the best at trying new and different foods. Melissa Leong is a MasterChef host, a lover of flavour, and now the author of a new kids picture book called Taste Adventure. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Hi, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. I have um, great expectations for this book, Melissa. (laughs) No pressure. Um, Mm -mm, No pressure. But I do have to start with a very pertinent question, and that is, were you ever a fussy eater or have you always loved a mixture of flavours? I asked my mum this when I was writing the book and she said I was a great kid up until I was about 15. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but where, when it comes to food, um, my family um, are very food obsessed. You know, I think it just comes from the culture of them uh, growing up in Singapore and bringing that love of food with them when they moved to Australia and when they had us. Um, they very much approached food the same way they always had, which is to be incredibly inclusive and um, we always just ate what our parents ate. The only difference being that if there was a you know particularly spicy element that um, that would be left out and the you know those who would partake would partake and then you know we could sort of have a slightly milder version of of whatever it was. Um, but food always felt like Uh, an inclusive thing in our household, an interactive thing in our household as well. And the kitchen was always a very welcoming place for us. So it was, we we didn't have that situation where, um, you know, any any sort of um, adult human would say, oh, get out of the kitchen so we can quickly get dinner going. If we wanted to be there, then we were expected to help or, you know, at least observe what was going on. And I think just over time, I started to absorb little bits and pieces and my best scent memories and um, and even just sort of inherent ways that I go about constructing food still rely on those formative experiences when I was a kid. And what were the dominant flavours of your childhood? Um, very varied. I mean, I think growing up before we went to school, um, it was quite Chinese oriented. So lots of beautiful, nourishing pork bone soups and Hainanese chicken rice and really amazing Malaysian curries and things like that. And then as I started to go to school and get to know, um, you know, a a broader range of of friends from all sorts of different cultures and we would do the thing where I don't know that they, I was told by my friends' kids that kids don't go over to each other's houses nearly as much anymore because of social media. They're kind of in each other's pockets anyway. But when I grew up, um, 
because I am old, um, <laughs> we would go over to each other's houses because social media wasn't even, in the internet wasn't even a thing. So we would take turns at going to each other's houses and, you know, whichever parent would quite often, you know, make something for afternoon tea or you might stay over for dinner. And through that experience, I got to learn all sorts of new dishes that I had never encountered before. And then I would, much to my mother's utter delight, I'm sure, uh, request that she learn how to make it. And so that was everything from spaghetti bolognese, which isn't even really bolognese as a recipe. It's not even really Italian, but it's just this wonderful multicultural amalgam that has become something else very precious to us as Australians now to what was the one that my mother refused? She drew the line at apricot chicken. She said, <laughs> no, I, I will learn many things, but apricot chicken will be one That is, that is mm. quintessentially the dish of the 90s. Isn't of it? Anglo-Australian families was apricot chicken. Yeah. My best friend tried to tell me she still loves eating it. I'm like, mm, no. It, look... For nostalgia's sake, I would eat it again. <laughs> I thought it was amazing as a kid because it was as sweet as it was savoury. And look, there are cuisines that lend themselves really well to that. I mean, if you kind of push in a slightly different direction with a few extra spices, you're in North African territory, which is actually incredible. Like it's incredibly dynamic food. So it made a lot of sense in the 90s. It makes <laughs> A little less sense now, but um, isn't that the magic of, of memory and nostalgia is that we can sort of draw these little, you know, little dreams out of our, our brains and maybe reinterpret them um, now that we know maybe a little bit better. Okay, I'm going to wait for Melissa Leong's updated apricot chicken recipe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I cannot wait. I think I cannot wait. What was your favourite food growing up? Mm, my favorite food I had again I have a real problem pinning it down to one thing now and then I would always have lots of different things that I loved um one of my favorite things growing up was um a, a dish you can get at yum cha which is uh, a sticky rice parcel it's called lomegay in in Cantonese and it's basically a, a lotus leaf that encases this really aromatic sticky rice and a, a chicken that's been braised in a brown sauce and little salted duck yolk and all kinds of delicious things inside it. And I always loved it because it was like unwrapping a present. Oh, wow. um, and, you know, you, you would unwrap it and you'd have all of these goodies, you know, embedded inside this really, you know, sort of sticky, rich, glossy rice. And um, for me, that was a, a really fun thing. And even to this day, when I'm feeling a little bit sick or a little bit sad or a little bit hungover, I will reach for something like that. And, um, and it sort of gives me a little bit of comfort, a bit of joy. I really shouldn't have started this interview whilst hungry. I've just realised. <laughs> that, is, that is definitely a downside to hanging out with me. You must uh, either be eating or be eating very soon because... Um, <laughs> It can happen. <laughs> <laughs> and have delicious food on hand. Now, I have read that you used to travel a lot for work. You probably do again now. but Starting to, yeah. Yeah, it's now great. the world is opening up. But mm. previous to all of the MasterChef stuff that you did travel um, for work when you were working in advertising and that you yeah. spent all of your per diems on street food. Yeah. And that kind of made me think about the relationship between food and culture 
Mm. And you mentioned that when you were growing up, your family was very inclusive in terms of the foods that you ate. Mm. Um, Is this part and parcel of what you're doing with this book in terms of exploring different flavours with kids? I think so. I I feel extreme gratitude to my parents for bringing me into a world where food was considered a luxury, a joy, something to be discovered um, every single time. And we would, you know, go out on weekends and drive all the way across the city on the rumour of a really great bowl of noodles or whatever it happened to be. And I carried that through my, you know, my young adult life and now into my not so young adult life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would, when I worked in advertising, I would get sent to Hong Kong and, you know, Kuala Lumpur and uh, Bangkok and places like that. And I was receiving a, a pretty decent Australian, um, Australian per diem. And if you know how to eat, in places like Southeast Asia, you know how to spend your money really well on amazing food, <laughs> and um, and that's what I would do, you know. And still to this day, that's where that's where I prioritize my money is in, in travel and specifically buying food when I'm when I'm traveling because I think it's one of the best and most exciting and visceral ways to discover culture and an accessible way to discover culture, especially with little kids, is because you have to eat. It's a multi-sensory experience and it's a bit of an adventure. So this book is great. I mean, it's called A Taste Adventure for a reason and and the whole idea is that we've broken down all of the different sensations of taste, so sweet, sour, salty, spicy, bitter, umami, and I'm trying to explain that to, um, you know, to a younger audience in a way that also includes a little bit of information about what the sensation is, um, where you can discover it. And then hopefully at the end of the book, kids might be encouraged to maybe try a new ingredient or a flavour or a dish. And um, when you dip a toe in the water, when it comes to food, most kids um, and most big kids as well tend to find that when the fear is taken away, that then you can really fly, then you want to discover even more. And I think that's a really wonderful thing to invite people to do. Well, it is kind of looking at it more in a sense of curiosity. I'm just thinking about my own kids when they try something that, let's say, might be a bit bitter and they might eat it and they'll be like, oh, yuck. But what you're actually doing with this book is kind of encouraging curiosity, like a scientific approach almost. Yeah. Um, And I particularly like the end of the book where you have a couple of pages saying here, why don't you try this? Why don't you discover these flavors? Kids love tactile things like that. Absolutely. I think when you break it down into, I think the right word, you've used the the perfect word there, which is curiosity. You know, we are, humans are curious by nature and especially young humans are curious by nature. So in, in, in order to, um, encourage kids to eat new foods and discover new things, it's, it's about inciting that curiosity and kind of encouraging them to explore food and, and, quite often when we are predisposed to not liking something or, oh, that's yuck, if we can look at it a different way, we can quite often find another way in to kind of dispelling the fear or the the perspective that we, we currently hold for something. So I think this is a, um, you know, hopefully, I, I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the feedback to see whether or not any of these things do work. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a big kid at heart, so I, I figure it's about, making things fun and hopefully by them feeling fun, people will feel more open to, um, you know, answering the curiosity call. 
Now, this might be a bit of a curveball at the end of this um, little chat, but I'm wondering, once people have read this fantastic book with their kids and they've explored all these ideas and then they've tried the little taste test at the end, Mm -hmm. do you have any advice for the next steps to take with your kids um, in terms of encouraging this sort of open attitude to food? Absolutely. Well, the idea behind the book, it started off with the premise of um, being in a food court because um, it's a microcosm of the world. I, my parents are Singaporean Chinese, so a hawker centre um, is, is a dream for me now because it's a place you can go and get little snacks from all sorts of different places and you have this, this beautiful table of, of all of these different dishes that you can experience. And we are so lucky in this country that when it comes to visiting a food court in any mall, in any, any city or town, um, chances are you'll have a multitude of different cultures celebrated under the one roof. And so I didn't want this book to be something that didn't feel accessible to absolutely everybody. But I think everybody can relate to the idea of going to a shopping centre and um, having having a meal with your family and someone might pick Lebanese and someone might pick Italian and someone might pick Chinese and, and it's all sitting on a table together and that's who we are as a nation. Um, so I think the next step would be to go to a really great, you know, shopping mall somewhere that has a multicultural food court and to try a couple of different dishes and maybe you look at the dishes that are um, name-checked in the book and pick those to eat, you know, eat in real life or go and, you know, set about a challenge and say, okay, we need to pick a food that has lots of spice in it. We want, we want something that's really spicy. We want something that's really bitter and let's do a taste test. Because even if they don't like the food inherently, as long as they're encouraged to try it and know what that experience is to their own taste buds and their own sensations, then that's something you can bank and you can use as a later reference. And as kids get older, as our hormones change, our taste buds change as well, it's always um, an open invitation to keep coming back and revisiting things that you may not have liked because chances are as your taste buds change, you may like them later. And then adults can go back to enjoying <laughs> all the foods they stopped eating when their kids got fussy. That's it. <laughs> Melissa, thank you for writing this book for parents. Um, <laughs> I know it's for kids as well. Uh, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. That's Melissa Leung. She's a Master Chef host and the author of Taste Adventure. And you'll find links to the book in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes, plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.